When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. If you can get just one good idea out of this tape and use it to improve the quality of your life, then I feel complete. As you listen, you will become aware that I use many terms, such as power, intelligence, infinite mind, higher power, God, universal power, inner wisdom, and so on. This is done to show you that there is no limitation on what you choose to call that power that runs the universe and is also within you. If any name disturbs you, then substitute another that feels right for you. This book was written as an extension of You Can Heal Your Life. Time has passed since the writing of that book and many new ideas have revealed themselves to me. Those ideas I wish to share with all of you who have been writing over the years asking for more information. I feel an important thing to be aware of is that the power we are all seeking out there is also within us and readily available to us to use in positive ways. May this tape reveal to you how very powerful you really are. I am not a healer. I do not heal anyone. I think of myself as a stepping stone on a pathway of self-discovery. I create a space where people can learn how incredibly wonderful they are by teaching them how to love themselves. That's all I do. I'm a person who supports people. I help people take charge of their lives. I help them discover their own power and inner wisdom and strengths. I help them get the blocks and the barriers out of the way so they can love themselves no matter what circumstances they happen to be going through. This doesn't mean that we will never have problems, but it is how we react to the problem that makes a tremendous difference. After years of individual counseling with clients and conducting hundreds of workshops and intensive training programs across the country and around the world, I find that there is only one thing that seems to heal every problem, and that is to love yourself. When people start to love themselves more each day, it's amazing how their lives get better. They feel better. 
They often get the jobs they want. They have the money they need. Their relationships either improve or the negative ones dissolve and new ones begin. It's a very simple premise, loving yourself. I've often been criticized for being too simplistic, and yet I have found that the simple things are usually the most profound. Someone said to me recently, you gave me the most wonderful gift. You gave me the gift of myself. So many of us hide from ourselves, and we don't even know who we are. We don't know what we feel. We don't know what we want. Life is a voyage of self-discovery. To me, to be enlightened is to go within and to know who and what we really are and to know that we have the ability to change for the better by loving and taking care of ourselves. It's not selfish to love ourselves. It clears us so that we can love ourselves enough to love other people. We can really help the planet when we come from a space of great love and joy on an individual basis. The power that created this incredible universe has often been referred to as love, and God is love. We have often heard the statement, love makes the world go round. It's all true. Love is the binding agent that holds the whole universe together. To me, love is deep appreciation. When I talk about loving ourselves, I mean having a deep appreciation for who we are. We accept all the different parts of ourselves, our little peculiarities, the embarrassments, the things we may not do so well, and all the wonderful qualities, too. We accept the whole package with love, unconditionally. Unfortunately, many of us will not love ourselves until we lose the weight or get the job or get the raise or the boyfriend or whatever. We often put conditions on our love, but we can change. We can love ourselves as we are right now. There is also a lack of love on this planet as a whole. I believe our whole planet has a dis-ease called AIDS, and more and more people are dying every day. This physical challenge has given us the opportunity to overcome barriers and to go beyond our morality standards and differences of religion and politics and to open our hearts. The more of us who can do it, the quicker we are going to find the answers. We are in the midst of enormous individual and global change. I believe that all of us who are living at this time chose to be here to be a part of these changes, to bring about change, and to transform the world from the old way of life to a more loving and peaceful existence. In the Piscean Age, we looked out there for our Savior. Save me, save me, please take care of me. Now we are moving into the Aquarian Age and we are learning to go within to find our Savior. We are the power we have been seeking. We are in charge of our lives. If you are not willing to love yourself today, 
then you are not going to love yourself tomorrow. Because whatever excuse you have today, you'll still have tomorrow. Maybe you'll have the same excuse 20 years from now, and even leave this lifetime holding on to the same excuse. Today is the day you can love yourself totally with no expectations. I want to help create a world where it is safe for us to love each other, where we can express who we are and be loved and accepted by the people around us without judgment, criticism, or prejudice. Loving begins at home. The Bible says, Love thy neighbor as thyself. Far too often we forget the last couple of words, as thyself. We really can't love anyone out there unless the love starts inside us. Self-love is the most important gift we can give ourselves because when we love who we are, we will not hurt ourselves and we will not hurt anyone else. With inner peace, there would be no wars, no gangs, no terrorists, and no homeless. There would be no dis-ease, no AIDS, no cancer, no poverty, and no starvation. So this, to me, is a prescription for world peace, to have peace within ourselves. Peace, understanding, compassion, forgiveness, and most of all, love. We have the power within us to affect these changes. Love is something we can choose, the same way we choose anger or hate or sadness. We can choose love. It's always a choice within us. Let's begin right now in this moment to choose love. It's the most powerful healing force there is. The information on this tape, which has been part of my lectures over the past five years, is yet another stepping stone on your pathway to self-discovery, an opportunity to know a little bit more about yourself and to understand the potential that is your birthright. You have an opportunity to love yourself more so you can be a part of an incredible universe of love. Love begins in our hearts and it begins with us. Let your love contribute to the healing of our planet. Part 1. Becoming Conscious When we expand our thinking and beliefs, our love flows freely. When we contract, we shut ourselves off. Chapter 1. The Power Within The more you connect to the power within you, the more you can be free in all areas of your life. Who are you? Why are you here? What are your beliefs about life? For thousands of years, finding the answers to these questions has meant going within. But what does that mean? I believe there is a power within each of us that can lovingly direct us to our perfect health, perfect relationships, perfect careers, and which can bring us prosperity of every kind. 
In order to have these things, we have to believe first that they are possible. Next, we must be willing to release the patterns in our lives that are creating conditions we say we do not want. We do this by going within and tapping the inner power that already knows what is best for us. If we are willing to turn our lives over to this greater power within us, the power that loves and sustains us, we can create more loving and prosperous lives. I believe that our minds are always connected to the one infinite mind, and therefore all knowledge and wisdom is available to us at any time. We are connected to this infinite mind, this universal power that created us, through that spark of light within, our higher self or the power within. The universal power loves all of its creations. It is a power for good and it directs everything in our lives. It doesn't know how to hate or lie or punish. It is pure love, freedom, understanding, and compassion. It is important to turn our lives over to our higher self because through it we receive our good. We must understand that we have the choice to use this power in any way. If we choose to live in the past and rehash all of the negative situations and conditions that went on way back when, then we stay stuck where we are. If we make a conscious decision not to be victims of the past and go about creating new lives for ourselves, we are supported by this power within and new, happier experiences begin to unfold. I don't believe in two powers. I think there is one infinite spirit. It's all too easy to say it's the devil or them. It really is only us. And either we use the power we have wisely or we misuse the power. Do we have the devil in our hearts? Do we condemn others for being different than we are? What are we choosing? Responsibility versus blame. I also believe that we contribute toward the creation of every condition in our lives, good or bad, with our thinking-feeling patterns. The thoughts we think create our feelings, and then we begin to live our lives in accordance with these feelings and beliefs. This is not to blame ourselves for things going wrong in our lives. There is a difference between being responsible and blaming ourselves or others. When I talk about responsibility, I am really talking about having power. Blame is about giving away one's power. Responsibility gives us the power to make changes in our lives. If we play the victim role, then we are using our personal power to be helpless. If we decide to accept responsibility, then we don't waste time blaming somebody or something out there. Some people feel guilty for creating illness or poverty or problems. They choose to interpret responsibility as guilt, and some members of the media like to refer to it as New Age guilt. 
These people often feel guilty because they believe that they have failed in some way. However, they usually accept everything as a guilt trip in one way or another because it's another way to make themselves wrong, and that is not what I'm talking about. If we can use our problems and illnesses as opportunities to think about how we can change our lives, we have power. Many people who come through catastrophic illnesses say that it was the most wonderful thing that ever happened to them because it gave them a chance to go about their lives differently. A lot of people, on the other hand, go around saying, I'm a victim, woe is me, please, doctor, fix me. I think these people will have a difficult time even getting well or handling their problems. Responsibility is our ability to respond to a situation. We always have a choice. It does not mean that we deny who we are and what we have in our lives. It merely means that we can acknowledge that we have contributed to where we are. By taking responsibility, we have the power to change. We can say, what can I do to make this different? We need to understand that we all have personal power all the time. It depends on how we use it. Many of us are now realizing that we come from dysfunctional homes. We carry over a lot of negative feelings about who we are and our relationship to life. My childhood was filled with violence, including sexual abuse. I was starved for love and affection and had no self-esteem at all. Even after leaving home at the age of 15, I continued to experience abuse in many forms. I hadn't yet realized that the thinking-feeling patterns I had learned early in life had brought this abuse upon me. Children often respond to the mental atmosphere of the adults around them. So I learned early about fear and abuse and continued to recreate those experiences for myself as I grew up. I certainly didn't understand that I had the power to change all of this. I was unmercifully hard on myself because I interpreted lack of love and affection to mean that I must be a bad person. All of the events you have experienced in your lifetime up to this moment have been created by your thoughts and beliefs from the past. Let's not look back on our lives with shame. Look at the past as part of the richness and fullness of your life. Without this richness and fullness, we would not be here today. There is no reason to beat yourself up because you didn't do better. You did the best you knew how. Release the past in love and be grateful that it has brought you to this new awareness. The past only exists in our minds and in the way we choose to look at it in our minds. This is the moment we are living. This is the moment we are feeling. This is the moment we are experiencing. What we are doing right now is laying the groundwork for tomorrow. So this is the moment to make the decision. We can't do anything tomorrow, and we can't do it yesterday. 
We can only do it today. What is important is what we are choosing to think, believe, and say right now. When we begin to take conscious charge of our thoughts and words, then we have tools that we can use. I know this sounds simple, but remember, the point of power is always in the present moment. It is important for you to understand that your mind is not in control. You are in control of your mind. The higher self is in control. You can stop thinking those old thoughts. When your old thinking tries to come back and say, it's so hard to change, take mental command. Say to your mind, I now choose to believe it is becoming easy for me to make changes. You may have this conversation with your mind several times before it acknowledges that you are in charge and that you really mean what you say. Imagine that your thoughts are like drops of water. One thought or one drop of water does not mean very much. As you continue to repeat the same thoughts over and over, you first notice a stain on the carpet, then there's a little puddle, then a pond, and as these thoughts continue, they can become a lake and finally an ocean. What kind of ocean are you creating? One that is polluted and toxic and unfit to swim in? or one that is crystal clear and blue and invites you to enjoy its refreshing waters. People often tell me, I can't stop thinking a certain thought. I always reply, yes, you can. Remember how often you have refused to think a positive thought? You just want to tell your mind that that is what you are going to do. You want to make up your mind to stop thinking negatively. I'm not saying that you have to fight your thoughts when you want to change things. When the negative thoughts come up, simply say, thank you for sharing. In that way, you are not denying what is there, and you are not giving your power over to the negative thought. Tell yourself that you are not going to buy into the negativity anymore. You want to create another way of thinking. Again, you don't have to fight your thoughts. Acknowledge and go beyond them. Don't drown in a sea of your own negativity when you can float on the ocean of life. You are meant to be a wonderful, loving expression of life. Life is waiting for you to open up to it, to feel worthy of the good it holds for you. The wisdom and intelligence of the universe is yours to use. Life is here to support you. Trust the power within you to be there for you. If you get scared, it is helpful to become aware of your breath as it flows in and out of your body. Your breath, the most precious substance of your life, is freely given to you. You have enough to last for as long as you shall live. You accept this precious substance without even thinking, and yet you doubt that life can supply you with the other necessities. Now is the time for you to learn about your own power and what you are capable of doing.
go within and find out who you are. We all have different opinions. You have a right to yours and I have a right to mine. No matter what goes on in the world, the only thing you can work on is what is right for you. You want to get in touch with your inner guidance because it is the wisdom that knows the answers for you. It's not easy to listen to yourself when your friends and family are telling you what to do. Yet all the answers to all the questions you are ever going to ask are within you now. And every time you say, I don't know, you shut the door to your own inner wisdom. The messages you get from your higher self are positive and supportive of you. If you start getting negative messages, then you are working from ego and your human mind level, and even perhaps your imagination. Although positive messages often come to us through our imagination and our dreams. Support yourself by making the right choices for you. When in doubt, ask yourself, is this a decision that is loving for me? Is this right for me now? You may make another decision at some later point, a day, a week, or a month later. But ask yourself these questions in each moment. As we learn to love ourselves and trust our higher power, we become co-creators with the infinite spirit of a loving world. Our love for ourselves moves us from being victims to being winners. Our love for ourselves attracts wonderful experiences to us. Have you ever noticed that people who feel good about themselves are naturally attractive? They usually have a quality about them that is just wonderful. They are happy with their lives. Things come to them easily and effortlessly. I learned a long time ago that I am a being of oneness with the presence and power of God. Knowing this, that the wisdom and understanding of spirit resides within me, and I know that I am, therefore, divinely guided in all my dealings with others. Just as all the stars and planets are in their perfect orbit, I am also in my divine right order. I may not understand everything with my limited human mind. However, on the cosmic level, I know I am in the right place at the right time doing the right thing. My present experience is a stepping stone to new awareness and new opportunities. Who are you? What did you come here to learn? What did you come here to teach? We all have a unique purpose. We are more than our personalities, our problems, our fears, and our illnesses. We are far more than our bodies. We are all connected with everyone on the planet and with all of life. We are all spirit, light, energy, vibration, and love. And we all have the power to live our lives with purpose and meaning. Chapter 2, Following My Inner Voice The thoughts we choose to think are the tools that we use to paint the canvas of our lives. 
I remember when I first heard that I could change my life if I was willing to change my thinking. It was quite a revolutionary idea to me. I lived in New York and discovered the Church of Religious Science. Often people confuse the Church of Religious Science, or Science of Mind, which was founded by Ernest Holmes, with the Christian Science Church founded by Mary Baker Eddy. They all reflect new thought, however they are different philosophies. The Science of Mind has ministers and practitioners who carry on the teachings of the Church of Religious Science. They were the very first people who told me that my thoughts shaped my future. Even though I didn't understand what they meant, this concept touched what I call the inner ding within me, that place of intuition that is referred to as the voice within. Over the years, I've learned to follow it, because when that ding goes yes, even if it seems a crazy choice, I know that it is right for me. So these concepts struck a chord in me. Something said, yes, they are right. And then I began the adventure of learning how to change my thinking. Once I accepted the idea and said yes to it, I went through the house. I read a lot of books, and my home became like many of yours, filled with masses of spiritual and self-help books. I went to classes for many years, and I explored everything related to the subject. I literally immersed myself in new thought philosophy, a new way of thinking. It was the first time that I had really studied in my life. Up until then, I didn't believe in anything. My mother was a lapsed Catholic, and my stepfather was an atheist. I had some strange idea that Christians either wore hair shirts or were eaten by lions, and neither appealed to me. I really delved into science of mind because that was an avenue that was open for me at the time and I found it really wonderful. At first it was sort of easy. I grasped a few concepts and I started to think and talk a little bit differently. In those days I was a constant complainer and full of self-pity. I just loved to wallow in the pits. I didn't know that I was continually perpetuating more experiences in which to pity myself. But then again, I didn't know any better in those days. Gradually, I found that I was no longer complaining quite so much. I started to listen to what I said. I became aware of my self-criticism, and I tried to stop it. I began to babble affirmations without quite knowing what they meant. I started with the easy ones, of course, and a few small changes began to take place. I got the green lights and the parking places, and boy, did I think I was hot stuff. Wow, I thought I knew it all, and I very soon became quite cocky and arrogant and dogmatic in my beliefs. I felt I knew all the answers. In hindsight, it was really my way of feeling safe in this new area. When we start to move away from some of our old rigid beliefs, especially if we've been previously in total control, it can be very scary. It was very frightening for me, so I would grasp onto whatever would make me feel safe. It was a beginning for me, and I still had a long way to go. And I still do. Like most of us, I didn't always find the pathway easy and smooth. 
because just babbling affirmations didn't work all the time, and I couldn't understand why. I asked myself, what am I doing wrong? See, immediately I blamed myself. Was this one more example of me not being good enough? That was a favorite old belief of mine. At the time, my teacher, Eric Pace, would look at me and refer to the idea of resentment. I didn't have the faintest idea what he was talking about. Resentment? Me? Surely I didn't have any resentments. After all, I was on my pathway. I was spiritually perfect. How little I could see myself then. I continued doing the best I could in my life. I studied metaphysics and spirituality and learned about myself as much as possible. I grasped what I could, and sometimes I applied it. Often we hear a lot of things, and sometimes we grasp them, but we don't always practice them. Time seemed to go by very quickly, and at that point I had been studying science of mind for about three years and had just become a practitioner of the church. I began to teach the philosophy, but I wondered why my students seemed to be floundering. I couldn't understand why they were so stuck in their problems. I gave them so much good advice. Why weren't they using it and getting well? It never dawned on me that I was speaking the truth more than I was living it. I was like a parent who tells the child what to do, but then does exactly the opposite. Then one day, seemingly out of the blue, I was diagnosed with vaginal cancer. First I panicked like anyone else. Then I had doubts that all this stuff I was learning was valid. It was a normal and natural reaction. I thought to myself, if I was clear and centered, I wouldn't have the need to create the illness. In hindsight, I think when I was diagnosed, I felt safe enough at that point to let the illness surface so that I could do something about it, rather than having it be another hidden secret that I wouldn't know about until I was dead. I knew too much by then to hide from myself any longer. I knew that cancer was a dis-ease of resentment that is held for a long time until it eats away at the body. When we stifle our emotions inside of us, they have to go somewhere in the body. If we spend a lifetime stuffing things down, they will eventually manifest somewhere in the body. I became very aware that the resentment within me, which my teacher had referred to so many times, had to do with being a physically, emotionally, and sexually abused as a child. Naturally, I would have resentment. I was bitter and unforgiving of the past. I had never done any work to change or release the bitterness and let it go. When I left home, it was all I could do to forget what had happened to me. I thought I had put it behind me when in actuality I had simply buried it. When I found my metaphysical pathway, I covered up my feelings with a nice layer of spirituality and hid a lot of garbage inside me. I put a wall around myself that kept me literally out of touch with my own feelings. I didn't know who I was or where I was. 
After my diagnosis, the real inner work of learning to know myself began. Thank God I had tools to use. I knew I needed to go within myself if I was going to make any permanent changes. Yes, the doctor could give me an operation and perhaps take care of my illness for the moment. But if I didn't change the way I was using my thoughts and my words, I'd probably recreate it again. It's always interesting to me to learn where in our bodies we put our cancers, our diseases, on which side of the body, the left or the right. The right side represents the masculine side, from where we give out. The left is the feminine side, the receptive part, from where we take in. Almost all of my life, when anything went wrong, it was always on the right side of my body. It was where I stored all the resentment towards my stepfather and life. I was no longer content to get green lights and parking places. I knew I had to go much, much deeper. I realized that I was not really progressing in my life the way I wanted to because I hadn't really cleared out this old garbage from childhood and I wasn't living what I was teaching. I had to recognize the inner child inside me and work with her. My inner child needed help because she was still in great pain. I quickly began a self-healing program in earnest. I concentrated totally on me and did little else. I became very committed to getting well. Some of it was a little weird, yet I did it anyway. After all, this was my life on the line. It became almost a 24-hour-a-day job for the next six months. I began reading and studying everything I could find out about alternative ways to heal cancer because I truly believed it could be done. I did a nutritional cleansing program that detoxified my body from all the junk foods I had eaten for years. For months, I seemed to be living on sprouts and pureed asparagus. I know I had more to eat, but that is what I remember the most. I worked with my science of mind minister and teacher, Eric Pace, to clear the mental patterns so the cancer wouldn't return. I said affirmations and did visualizations, prayers, and spiritual mind treatments. I did daily sessions in front of a mirror. The most difficult words to say were, I love you, I really love you. It took a lot of tears and a lot of breathing to get through it. When I did, it was as if I took a quantum leap. I also went to a good psychotherapist who was skilled in helping people express and release their anger. I spent a long period of time beating pillows and screaming. It was wonderful. It felt so good because I had never, ever had permission to do that in my life. I don't know which method worked. Maybe a little bit of everything worked. Most of all, I was really consistent with what I did. I practiced during all my waking hours. I thanked myself before I went to sleep for what I had done during the day. I affirmed that my healing process was taking place in my body while I slept and that I would awaken in the morning bright and refreshed and feeling good. In the morning, I'd awaken and thank myself and my body for the work that was done during the night. 
I would affirm that I was willing to grow and learn each day and make changes without seeing myself as a bad person. I also worked on understanding and forgiveness. One of the ways was to explore my parents' childhoods as much as I could. I began to understand how they were treated as children, and I realized that because of the way they were brought up, they couldn't really have done anything differently than they did. My stepfather was abused at home, and he continued this abuse with his children. My mother was brought up to believe that the man was always right, and you stood by and let him do what he wanted. No one taught them a different approach. It was their way of life. Step by step, my growing understanding of them enabled me to start the forgiveness process. The more I forgave my parents, the more willing I was to forgive myself. Forgiveness of ourselves is enormously important. Many of us do the same damage to the inner child that our parents did to us. We just continue the abuse, and it's very sad. When we were children and the other people mistreated us, we didn't have many options. But when we grow up and we still mistreat the inner child, it's disastrous. As I forgave myself, I began to trust myself. I found that when we don't trust life or other people, it's really because we don't trust ourselves. We don't trust our higher selves to take care of us in all situations. So we say, I'll never fall in love again because I don't want to get hurt, or I'll never let this happen again. We are really saying to ourself, I don't trust you enough to take good care of me, so I'm going to stay away from everything. Eventually, I began to trust myself enough to take care of me, and I found it easier and easier to love myself once I trusted myself. My body was healing, and my heart was healing. My real spiritual growth had come in such an unexpected way. As a bonus, I began to look younger. The clients I now attracted were almost all people who were willing to work on themselves. They made enormous progress without me really doing anything. They could sense and feel that I was living the concepts I was teaching, and it was easy for them to accept these ideas. Of course they had positive results. They began to improve the quality of their lives. Once we begin to make peace with ourselves on the inner level, life seems to flow much more pleasantly. So what did this experience teach me personally? I realized that I had the power to change my life if I was willing to change my thinking and release the patterns that kept me living in the past. This experience gave me the inner knowledge that if we are willing really willing to do the work, the mental work, we can make incredible changes in our minds, our bodies, and our lives. No matter where you are in life, no matter what you've contributed to creating, no matter what's happening, you are always doing the best you can with the understanding and awareness and knowledge that you have. And when you know more, you will do it differently, as I did. Don't berate yourself for where you are. 
Don't blame yourself for not doing it faster or better. Say to yourself, I'm doing the best I can, and even though I'm in a mess now, I will get out of it somehow, so let's find the best way to do it. If all you do is tell yourself that you're stupid and no good, then you stay stuck. You need your own loving support if you want to make changes. The methods I use are not my methods. Most of them I learned at Science of Mind, which is what I basically teach. Yet these principles are as old as time. If you read any of the old spiritual teachings, you will find the same messages. I am trained as a minister of the Church of Religious Science. However, I do not have a church. I am a free spirit. I express the teachings in simple language so that they may reach many people. This path is a wonderful way of getting your head together and really understanding what life is all about and how you can use your own mind to take charge of your life. When I started all this over 20 years ago, I had no idea that I would be able to bring hope and help to the number of people that I do today. Chapter 3 The Power of Your Spoken Word Every day, declare for yourself what you want in life. Declare it as though you have it. The Law of Mind There is a law of gravity, and there are several other physical laws, like physics and electricity, most of which I don't understand. There are also spiritual laws, like the law of cause and effect. What you give out comes back. There is also a law of mind. I don't know how it works, in much the same way that I don't know how electricity works. I only know that when I flick the switch, the light comes on. I believe that when we think a thought, or when we speak a word or a sentence, it somehow goes out from us into a law of mind and comes back to us as experience. We are now beginning to learn the correlation between the mental and the physical. We are beginning to understand how the mind works and that our thoughts are creative. Our thoughts speed through our minds very quickly, so it is difficult to shape them at first. Our mouths, on the other hand, are slower. So if we can start editing our speech by listening to what we say and not letting negative things come out of our mouths, then we can begin to shape and control our thoughts. There is tremendous power in our spoken words, and many of us are not aware just how important they are. Let us consider words as the foundation of what we continually create in our lives. We use words all the time, yet we babble away, seldom thinking about what we are truly saying or how we are saying it. We pay very little attention to the selection of our words. In fact, most of us speak in negatives. As children, we were taught grammar. We were taught to select words according to these rules of grammar. However, I have always found that the rules of grammar continually change, and what was improper at one time is proper at another time, or vice versa. What was slang in the past is considered common usage in the present. However, grammar does not take into consideration the meaning of words and how they affect our lives. 
On the other hand, I was not taught in school that my choice of words would have anything to do with what I would experience in life. No one taught me that my thoughts were creative or that they could literally shape my life. Nobody taught me that what I gave out in the form of words would return to me as experiences. The purpose of the Golden Rule was to show us a very basic law of life, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, or what you give out comes back to you. It was never meant to cause guilt. No one ever taught me that I was worth loving or that I deserved good, and nobody taught me that life was here to support me. I remember that as children we would often call each other cruel and hurtful names and try to belittle one another. But why did we do that? Where did we learn such behavior? Look at what we were taught. Many of us were told repeatedly by our parents or teachers that we were stupid or dumb or lazy. We were a nuisance and not good enough. Sometimes we heard our parents say that they wished we had never been born. Maybe we cringed when we heard these words, but little did we realize how deeply embedded the hurt and pain would become. Changing our self-talk. Too often we accepted the early messages that our parents gave us. We heard, eat your spinach, clean your room, or make your bed, in order to be loved. You got the idea that you were only acceptable if you did certain things, that acceptance and love were conditional. However, that was according to somebody's idea of what was worthwhile and had nothing to do with your deep inner self-worth. You got the idea that you could only exist if you did these things to please others. Otherwise, you did not have permission to even exist. These early messages contribute to what I call our self-talk, the way we talk to ourselves. The way we talk to ourselves inwardly is really important because it becomes the basis of our spoken words. It sets up the mental atmosphere in which we operate and which attracts to us our experiences. If we belittle ourselves, life is going to mean very little to us. If we love and appreciate ourselves, then life can be a wonderful, joyous gift. If our lives are unhappy, or if we are feeling unfulfilled, it's very easy to blame our parents or them and say it's all their fault. However, if we do, we stay stuck in our conditions, our problems, and our frustrations. Words of blame will not bring us freedom. Remember, there is a power in our words. Again, our power comes from taking responsibility for our lives. I know it sounds scary to be responsible for our lives, but we really are, whether we accept it or not. If we want to be responsible for our lives, we've got to be responsible for our mouths. The words and phrases we say are only extensions of our thoughts. Start to listen to what you say. If you hear yourself using negative or limiting words, change them. If I hear a negative story, I don't go around repeating it to everyone. I think it has gone far enough and I let it go. If I hear a positive story, however, 
I will tell everyone. When you are out with other people, begin to listen to what they say and how they say it. See if you can connect what they say with what they are experiencing in life. Many, many people live their lives in shoulds. Should is a word that my ear is very attuned to. It is as if a bell goes off every time I hear it. Often I will hear people use a dozen shoulds in a paragraph. These same people wonder why their lives are so rigid or why they can't move out of a situation. They want a lot of control over things that they cannot control. They are either making themselves wrong or making someone else wrong. And then they question why they aren't living lives of freedom. We can also remove the expression have to from our vocabulary and our thinking as well. When we do, we will release a lot of self-imposed pressure on ourselves. We create tremendous pressure by saying, I have to go to work, I have to do this, I have to, I have to. Instead, let's begin to say choose to. I choose to go to work because it pays the rent right now or whatever. Come from choice. Choose to puts a whole different perspective on our lives. Everything we do is by choice, even though it may not seem to be so. A lot of us also use the word but. We make statements, then we say but, which heads us in two different directions. We give conflicting messages to ourselves. Listen to how you use the word but the next time you speak. Another expression we could be mindful of is don't forget. We are so used to saying don't forget this or that, and what happens? We forget. We really want to remember, and instead we forget. So we can begin to use the phrase please remember in place of don't forget, or I will always remember instead of I will never forget. When you wake up in the morning, do you curse the fact that you have to go to work? Do you complain about the weather? Do you grumble that your back or your head hurts? What is the second and third thing you think or say? Do you yell at the children to get up? Most people say more or less the same thing every morning. How does what you say start your day? Is it positive and cheerful and wonderful? Or is it whining and condemning? If you grumble and complain and moan, you're setting yourself up for just such a day. What are your last thoughts before going to bed? Are they powerful healing thoughts or poverty worry thoughts? When I speak of poverty thoughts, I don't mean only about the lack of money. It can be a negative way of thinking about anything in your life, any part of your life that is not flowing freely. Do you worry about tomorrow? Usually, I will read something positive before I go to sleep. I am aware that when I sleep, I am doing a lot of clearing that will prepare me for the next day. I find it very helpful to turn over to my dreams any problems or questions I may have. I know my dreams will help me take care of whatever is going on in my life. I am the only person who can think in my mind, just like you are the only person who can think in your mind. Nobody 
can force us to think in a different way. We choose our thoughts, and these are the basis for our self-talk. As I experienced how this process worked more in my life, I began to live more of what I was teaching others. I really watched my words and my thoughts, and I constantly forgave myself for not being perfect. I allowed myself to be me, rather than struggling to be a super person who may only be acceptable in others' eyes. When I began for the first time to trust life and to see it as a friendly place, I lightened up. My humor became less biting and more truly funny. I worked on releasing criticism and judgment of myself and other people. And I stopped telling disaster stories. We are so quick to spread bad news. It's just amazing. I stopped reading the newspaper and gave up the 11 o'clock news at night because all the reports were concerned with disaster and violence and very little good news. I realized that most people don't want to hear good news. They love to hear bad news so that they have something to complain about. Too many of us keep recycling the negative stories until we believe that there is only bad in the world. For a while there was a radio station that broadcast only good news, but it went out of business. When I had my cancer, I decided to stop gossiping, and to my surprise I found I had nothing to say to anyone. I became aware that whenever I met a friend, I would immediately dish the latest dirt with them. Eventually I discovered there were other ways of talking, although it wasn't an easy habit to break. Nonetheless, if I gossiped about other people, then other people probably gossiped about me, because what we give out, we get back. As I worked more and more with people, I really began to listen to what they said. I really began to hear the words, not just get the general drift. Usually after ten minutes with a new client, I could tell exactly why they had a problem, because I could hear the words they were using. I could understand them by the way they were talking. I knew that their words were contributing to their problems. If they were talking negatively, imagine what their self-talk was like. It must be more of the same negative programming, poverty thinking, as I called it. A little exercise I suggest you do is to put a tape recorder by your telephone, and every time you make or get a call, push the record button. When the tape is full on both sides, listen to what you've been saying and how you say it. You will probably be amazed. You will begin to hear the words you use and the inflection of your voice. You will begin to become aware. If you find yourself saying something three times or more, write it down because it is a pattern. Some of the patterns may be positive and supportive, and you may also have some very negative patterns that you repeat over and over and over again. The Power of the Subconscious Mind In light of what I've been speaking of, I want to discuss the power of our subconscious minds. Our subconscious minds make no judgments. The subconscious mind accepts everything we say and creates according to our beliefs. It always says yes. Our subconscious minds love us enough to give us what we declare. We have choice, though. If we choose these poverty beliefs and concepts, 
then it is assumed that we want them. It will continue to give us these things until we are willing to change our thoughts and words and beliefs for the better. We are never stuck because we can always choose again. There are billions and billions of thoughts from which to choose. Our subconscious minds don't know true from false or right from wrong. We don't want to deprecate ourselves in any way. We don't want to say something like, Oh, stupid old me, because the subconscious mind will pick up this self-talk, and after a while you will feel that way. If you say it enough times, it will become a belief in your subconscious. The subconscious mind has no sense of humor, and it is important for you to know and understand this concept. You cannot make a joke about yourself and think it doesn't mean anything. If it is a put-down about yourself, even if you are trying to be cute or funny about it, the subconscious mind accepts it as true. I don't let people tell put-down jokes in my workshops. They can be raunchy but not put-downs of a nationality or sex or whatever. So don't joke about yourself and make derogatory remarks about yourself because they will not create good experiences for you. Don't belittle others either. The subconscious mind doesn't distinguish between you and the other person. It hears the words and it believes you are talking about yourself. The next time you want to criticize someone, ask why you feel that way about yourself. You only see in others what you see in yourself. Instead of criticizing others, praise them, and within a month you will see enormous change within you. Our words are really a matter of approach and attitude. Notice the way that lonely, unhappy, poor, sick people talk. What words do they use? What have they accepted as the truth for themselves? How do they describe themselves? How do they describe their work, their lives, their relationships? What do they look forward to? Be aware of their words, but please don't run around telling strangers that they are ruining their lives by the way they talk. Don't do it to your family and friends either, because the information will not be appreciated. Instead, use this information to begin to make the connection for yourself and practice it if you want your life to change. Because even on the smallest level, if you change the way you talk, your experiences are going to change. If you are a person with an illness who believes that it is fatal and that you're going to die and that life is no good because nothing ever works for you, then guess what? You can choose to release your negative concept of life. Start affirming for yourself that you are a person who is lovable and that you are worth healing and that you attract everything you need on the physical level to contribute to your healing. Know that you are willing to get well and that it is safe for you to get well. Many people only feel safe when they are sick. They are usually the kind that have difficulty saying the word no. The only way they can say no is by saying, I'm too sick to do it. It's a perfect excuse. I remember a woman at one of my workshops who had three cancer operations. She couldn't say no to anybody. Her father was a doctor, and she was daddy's good little girl, 
so whatever Daddy told her to do, she did. It was impossible for her to say no. No matter what you asked her, she had to say yes. It took four days to get her to literally shriek no at the top of her lungs. I had her do it while shaking her fist. No, no, no. And once she got into it, she loved it. I find that many women with breast cancer can't say no. They nourish everybody except themselves. One of the things I recommend to a woman with breast cancer is that she must learn to say no. No, I don't want to do it. No. Two or three months of saying no to everything and everyone will begin to turn things around. She needs to nourish herself by saying, this is what I want to do, not what you want me to do. When I used to work with clients privately, I would hear them argue on behalf of their limitations, and they would always want me to know why they were stuck because of one reason or another. If we believe we are stuck and accept that we are stuck, then we are stuck. We get stuck because our negative beliefs are being fulfilled. Instead, let's begin to focus on our strengths. Many of you tell me that my tape saved your lives. I want you to realize that no book or tape is going to save you. A little piece of tape in a plastic box is not saving your life. What you are doing with the information is what matters. I can give you plenty of ideas, yet what you do with them is going to count. I suggest that you listen to a particular tape over and over again for a month or more so that the ideas become a new habit pattern. I'm not your healer or savior. The only person who's going to make a change in your life is you. Now, what are the messages you want to hear? I know I say this over and over again. Loving yourself is the most important thing you can do because when you love yourself, you're not going to hurt yourself or anyone else. It's my prescription for world peace. If I don't hurt me and I don't hurt you, how can we have war? The more of us who can get to that place, the better the planet will be. Let's begin to be conscious of what is going on by listening to the words we speak to ourselves and to others. Then we can begin to make the changes that will help heal ourselves as well as the rest of the planet. Chapter 4 Reprogramming Old Tapes Be willing to take the first step, no matter how small it is. Concentrate on the fact that you are willing to learn. Absolute miracles will happen. Affirmations do work. Now that we understand a little bit more about how powerful our thoughts and words are, we can choose to retrain our thinking and speaking into positive patterns if we're going to get beneficial results. Are you willing to change your self-talk into positive affirmations? Remember, every time you think a thought and every time you speak a word, you are saying an affirmation. An affirmation is a beginning point. It opens the way to change. In essence, you are saying to your subconscious mind, I am taking responsibility. I am aware that there is something I can do to change. When I talk about doing affirmations, I mean to consciously choose sentences or words that will either help to eliminate something from your life or help to create something new in your life. And you do this in a positive way. 
If you say, I don't want to be sick anymore, the subconscious mind hears sick more. Now you want to tell it clearly what you do want. That is, say, I am a healthy person. I radiate good health. The subconscious mind is very straightforward. It has no strategy or designs. What it hears is what it does. If you say, I hate this car, it doesn't give you a wonderful new car because it doesn't know what you want. Even if you get a new car, you will probably hate it soon because that is what you've been saying about it. The subconscious only hears, hate this car. You need to clearly declare your desires in a positive way, as in, I have a beautiful new car that suits all my needs, or I always have a car that I love. If there is something in your life that you really dislike, I have found one of the quickest ways to release it is to bless it with love. I bless you with love, and I release you and let you go. This works for people, situations, objects, and living quarters. You could even try it on a habit you would like to be free of and see what happens. I knew one man who said, I bless you with love and release you from my life to every cigarette he smoked. After a few days, his desire for smoking was considerably less, and in a few weeks the habit was gone. You deserve good. Think for a moment. What is it you really want right now? What is it you want today in your life? Think about it and then say, I accept for myself whatever it is that you want. This is where I find that most of us get stuck. The bottom line is the belief that we don't deserve to have what we want. Our personal power lies in the way we perceive our deservability. Our not deserving comes from childhood messages. Again, we don't have to feel that we cannot change because of these messages. Often people will come to me and say, Louise, affirmations don't work. It really has nothing to do with affirmations. It is the fact that we don't believe we deserve the good. The way to find out if you believe that you deserve something is to say an affirmation and notice the thoughts that come up as you say it. Then write them down. Because when you see these thoughts on paper, they will be very clear to you. The only thing that keeps you from deserving or loving yourself or whatever is someone else's belief or opinion that you have accepted as truth. When we don't believe that we deserve good, we will knock the pinnings out from under ourselves, which we can do in a variety of ways. We can create chaos, we can lose things, we can hurt ourselves, or have physical problems like falling, or have accidents. We want to start believing that we deserve all the good that life has to offer. In order to reprogram the false or negative belief, what would be the first thought that you would need to begin to create this new whatever in your life? What would be the building block or the foundation that you would need to stand on? What would be the sort of thing that you would need to know for yourself to believe, to accept? Some good thoughts to start with could be, I am worthwhile. I am deserving. I love myself. I allow myself to be fulfilled, etc. These concepts form the very basis of beliefs on which you can build. 
Do your affirmations on top of these building blocks to create what you want. Whenever I speak somewhere, someone will come up to me at the end of the lecture or will write me a letter and tell me that he or she has had a healing take place while they were in the room. Sometimes it's very minor and sometimes it's quite dramatic. A woman came up to me once and told me that she had had a lump in her breast and it literally disappeared during the lecture. She heard something and she decided to let something go. This is a good example of how powerful we are. When we are not ready to let something go, when we really want to hold on to something because it's serving us in some way, it doesn't matter what we do, it probably won't work. However, when we are ready to let it go, as this woman was, it's amazing how the smallest circumstance can help us release it. If you still have a habit that you haven't released, Ask yourself how it serves you. What do you get out of it? If you can't get an answer, ask in a different way. If I no longer had this habit, what would happen? Very often the answer is, my life would be better. So it comes back to the fact that we believe we don't deserve a better life in some way. Ordering from the Cosmic Kitchen when you first say an affirmation, it may not seem true. But remember, affirmations are like planting seeds in the ground. When you put a seed in the ground, you don't get a full-grown plant the next day. We need to be patient during the growing season. As you continue to say the affirmation, either you will be ready to release whatever you don't want, and the affirmation will become true, or it will open a new avenue to you or you may get a brilliant brainstorm, or a friend may call you and say, have you tried this? You will be led to the next step that will help you. Keep your affirmations in the present tense. You can sing them and make a jingle out of them so that they repeat over and over in your head. Remember that you cannot affect a specific person's actions with your affirmations. To affirm that John is now in love with me is a form of manipulation and it is trying to have control over another person's life. It will usually have a boomerang effect on you. You will become very unhappy when you don't get what you want. You can say, I am now loved by a wonderful man who is, and list the qualities that you want in the relationship. That way you allow the power within you to bring to you the perfect person to fill that bill who may possibly be John. You don't know what another person's spiritual lesson is, and you don't have a right to interfere in their life process. You certainly wouldn't want someone else doing it to you. If someone is ill, bless them and send them love and peace, but don't demand that they get well. I like to think of doing affirmations as placing our order in the cosmic kitchen. If you go to a restaurant and the waiter or waitress comes and takes your order, you don't follow them into the kitchen to see if the chef got the order or how he's going to prepare the food. You sit and drink water or coffee or tea or you talk to your friend and maybe eat your roll. You assume that your food is being prepared and will be out when it's ready. It's the same when we begin to do affirmations. When we put our order into the cosmic kitchen, the great chef, our higher power, is working on it. So you go on with your life and know that it is being taken care of. 
It's on order. It's happening. Now, if the food comes out and it isn't exactly what you ordered, and if you have self-esteem, you will send it back. If not, you will eat it. You also have a right to do that with the cosmic kitchen. If you don't get exactly what you want, you can say, no, that's not quite it. This is what I want. Perhaps you weren't clear in your ordering. The idea here, too, is to let go. At the end of my treatments and meditations, I use the words, and so it is. It's a way of saying, higher power, it's in your hands now, I release it to you. Reprogramming the subconscious mind. The thoughts we think accumulate, and when we are unaware, the old thought resurfaces. When we are reprogramming our minds, it is normal and natural that we go a little forward, we come a little back, and we go a little forward again. It's part of practicing. I don't think there is any new skill that you can learn absolutely 100% in the first few minutes. Do you remember when you first learned how to use a computer, how frustrating it was? It took practice. You had to learn how it worked, to learn its laws and systems. I called my first computer my magic lady, for when I mastered her rules, she did indeed deliver what seemed like magic to me. Yet while I was learning, the way she would teach me I was off track or going in the wrong direction was to devour pages of work that I would then have to do all over again. Out of all the mistakes, I learned how to flow with the system. To flow with the system of life, you want to become aware that your subconscious mind is like a computer, garbage in, garbage out. If you put negative thoughts in, then negative experiences come out. Yes, it takes time and practice to learn the new ways of thinking. Be patient with yourself. When you are learning something new and the old pattern returns, are you going to say, oh, I didn't learn anything? Or are you going to say, okay, that's all right, come on, let's do it again the new way? Or say you cleared an issue and think you'll never have to deal with it again. How do you know if you've really worked it through unless you test yourself? So you bring up the old situation one more time and watch how you react. If you jump right back into the old way of reacting to it, then you know you haven't really learned that particular lesson and you need to do more work on it. That's all it means. You want to realize it's only a little test to see how far you've come. If you begin to repeat your affirmations, the new statements of truth about yourself, you give yourself an opportunity to react differently. Whether it's a health problem, a financial one, or a relationship difficulty, if you react in a new way to the situation, then you're on your way to having another issue handled, and you can move on to other areas. Remember, too, that we work on layers at a time. You can reach a plateau and think, I've done it, and then later on some old issue resurfaces and you may injure yourself or get sick and you don't get better for some time. Look to see what the underlying beliefs are. It may mean that you have some more work to do because you are going to the next deeper layer. Don't feel that you're not good enough because something you've worked to clear comes up again. 
when I discovered that I was not a bad person because once again I was facing an old issue, it became much easier for me to keep going. I learned to say to myself, Louise, you're doing very well. Look how far you have come. You just need more practice, and I love you. Evolutionary Pathway one of the ways to allow the process of life to unfold for you in a positive, healthy way is to declare your own personal truths. Choose to move away from the limiting beliefs that have been denying you the benefits you so desire. Declare that your negative thought patterns will be erased from your mind. Let go of your fears and burdens. For a long time now, I have been believing the following ideas, and they have worked for me. Everything I need to know is revealed to me. Everything I need comes to me in the perfect time-space sequence. Life is a joy and filled with love. I am loving and lovable and loved. I am healthy and filled with energy. I prosper wherever I turn. I am willing to change and to grow, and all is well in my world. I have learned that we don't always stay positive 100% of the time, and I include myself in this knowledge. As much as possible, I see life as a wonderful, joyous experience. I believe that I am safe, I have made it a personal law for me. I believe that everything I need to know is revealed to me, so I need to keep my eyes and ears open. When I had cancer, I remember thinking that a foot reflexologist would be very helpful to me. One evening I went to a lecture of some sort. Usually I sit in the front row because I like being close to the speaker. However, that night I was compelled to sit in the back row, and right after I sat down, a foot reflexologist sat next to me. We began to talk, and I learned that he even made house calls. I didn't have to look for him. He came to me. I also believe that whatever I need comes to me in the perfect time-space sequence. When something goes wrong in my life, I immediately start to think, all is well, it's okay, I know that this is all right, it's a lesson, it's an experience, and I'll pass through it. There is something here that is for my highest good. All is well. Just breathe. It's okay. And I do the best I can to calm myself so I can think rationally about whatever is going on. And of course, I do work through everything. It may take a little time, but sometimes things that seem to be great disasters really turn out to be quite good in the end, or at least not the disasters that they seem to be in the beginning. Every event is a learning experience. I do a lot of positive self-talk, morning, noon, and night. I come from a loving space of the heart, and I practice loving myself and others as much as I possibly can. My capacity to love expands all the time. What I do today is much more than I was doing six months or a year ago. I know a year from now my consciousness and my heart will have expanded and I'll be doing even more. I know that what I believe about myself becomes true for me, 
So I choose to believe wonderful things about myself. There was a time when I didn't, so I know I have grown, and I continue to work on myself. I also believe in meditation. To me, meditation is when we sit down and turn off our dialogue long enough to hear our own inner wisdom. When I meditate, I usually close my eyes, take a deep breath, and ask, what is it I need to know? I sit and listen. I might also ask, what is it I need to learn, or what is the lesson in this? Sometimes we think we're supposed to fix everything in our lives, and maybe we're really only supposed to learn something from the situation. I remember when I first began to meditate, I had violent headaches for the first three weeks. Meditation was so unfamiliar and against all my usual inner programming. Nevertheless, I hung in there, and the headaches eventually disappeared. If you are constantly coming up with a tremendous amount of negativity when you meditate, it may mean that it needs to come up, and when you quiet yourself, it starts to flow to the surface. Simply see the negativity being released. Try not to fight it. Allow it to continue as long as it needs to. If you fall asleep when you meditate, that's all right, too. Let the body do what it needs to do. It will balance out in time. Reprogramming your negative beliefs is very powerful. A good way to do it is by making a tape with your own voice saying your affirmations. Play it as you go to sleep. It will have a great deal of value for you because you will be listening to your own voice. An even more powerful tape would be your mother's voice telling you how wonderful you are and how much she loves you. Once you have the tape, it's good to relax the body before you begin reprogramming. Some people like to start with the tips of their toes and move to the top of their head, tensing and relaxing. However you do it, breathe and release the tension. Let the emotions go. Get to a state of openness and receptivity. The more relaxed you are, the easier it is to receive the new information. Remember, you are always in charge and you are always safe. It's wonderful to listen to tapes or read self-awareness books and do your affirmations. But what are you doing for the other 23 hours or so a day? You see, that is what really matters. If you sit down and meditate and then get up and rush to work and scream at somebody, that counts too. Meditations and affirmations are wonderful, yet what you do at other times are just as important. Treat doubt as a friendly reminder. I'm often asked questions about whether people are doing affirmations correctly or whether they are even working, and about doubt. I'd like you to think of doubt a little differently than you may have been. I believe that the subconscious mind resides in the solar plexus area of the body where you carry those gut feelings. When something sudden happens, don't you immediately get a strong feeling in your gut? It is where you take everything in and store it. Ever since we were little children, every message we have received, everything we have done, all the experiences we have had, all that we have said, have all gone into the filing cabinets right there in the solar plexus area. 
I like to think that there are little messengers in there, and when we think thoughts or have experiences, the messages go in, and the messengers file them in the appropriate files. For many of us, we have been building up files labeled, I'm not good enough, I'll never make it, I don't do it right. We have gotten absolutely buried under these files. Suddenly, we do a few affirmations such as, I'm wonderful and I love myself. And the messengers pick them up and say, what's this? Where does it go? We've never seen this one before. So the messengers call doubt. Doubt, come over here and see what's going on. So doubt picks up the message and asks the conscious mind, what's this? You've always been saying the other things. And on a conscious level, we can react in two ways. We can say, oh, you're right, I'm terrible, I'm no good, I'm sorry, that's not the right message, and go back to our old ways. Or we can say to doubt, that was the old message. I have no need for it now. This is the new message. Tell doubt to start a new file because there will be lots of these loving messages coming through from now on. Learn to treat doubt as a friend, not the enemy, and thank it for questioning you. Use it to strengthen your new beliefs. It doesn't matter what work you do in this world. It doesn't matter if you are a bank president or a dishwasher, a housewife or a sailor. You have wisdom inside of you that is connected to universal truth. When you are willing to look within and ask a simple question such as, what is this experience trying to teach me? And if you are willing to listen, then you will have the answer. Most of us are so busy running around creating the soap opera and drama we call our lives that we don't hear anything. Don't give your power over to other people's pictures of right and wrong. They only have power over us when we give our power to them. Groups of people give their power over to others. It happens in a lot of cultures. Women in our culture often give their power to men. They say things like, my husband won't allow me to. Well, that's certainly giving your power away. If you believe it, you box yourself into a place where you can't do anything unless you are given permission by another person. Who do you give your power to? The more open-minded you are, the more you learn, and the more you can grow and change. A woman once shared with me that when she got married, she was very unassertive because that was the way she was brought up. It took years for her to realize that her conditioning kept her locked in a corner. She blamed everyone, her husband and her in-laws, for her problems. Eventually, she divorced her husband. However, she still blamed him for so many things that were not right in her life. It took her 10 years to relearn her patterns and to take her power back. In hindsight, she realized that she was responsible for not speaking up and for not standing up for herself, not her husband or her in-laws. They were there to reflect back to her what she felt inside, a sense of powerlessness. Don't give your power away based on what you read, either. I remember years ago I read some articles in a well-known magazine and I happened to know something about each subject described in the articles and in my opinion the information was totally erroneous. 
the magazine lost all credibility for me, and I didn't read it again for many years. You are the authority in your life, so don't think that because something is in print that it's always the truth. Inspirational speaker Terry Cole Whitaker wrote a wonderful book called What You Think of Me Is None of My Business. It's true. What you think of me is none of my business. It's your business. In the end, what you think of me is going out from you in vibrations and will come back to you. When we have illumination, when we become conscious of what we are doing, we can begin to change our lives. Life is really here for you. You need only ask. Tell life what you want and then allow the good to happen. Part 2. Dissolving the Barriers We want to know what is going on inside us so we can know what to let go. Instead of hiding our pain, we can release it totally. Chapter 5. Understanding the Blocks that Bind You Chronic patterns of self-hate, guilt, and self-criticism raise the body's stress levels and weaken the immune system. Now that we understand a little more about the power that we have within us, let's take a look at what keeps us from using it. I think that almost all of us have barriers of some kind or another. Even when we do a lot of work on ourselves and clear out the blocks, new layers of old barriers still keep coming up. Many of us feel so flawed that we believe that we are not good enough and never will be. Again, if we find something wrong with us, then we are going to find something wrong with other people as well. If we are still continuing to say, I can't do this because my mother said or my father did, then we have not yet grown up. So now you want to let your barriers go and perhaps learn something different that you didn't know before now. Perhaps one sentence here will trigger a new thought. Can you imagine how wonderful it would be if every day you learned a new idea that would help you let go of the past and create harmony in your life? When you become aware and understand the individual process of life, you will know what direction to take. If you put your energies into learning something about yourself, you will eventually see those problems and issues that you need to dissolve. We all have challenges in life. Everybody does. Nobody goes through life without them. Otherwise, what would be the purpose of coming to this particular school called Earth? For some, there are health challenges, and for other people, there are relationship challenges or career or financial challenges. Some have a little or a lot of everything. I think one of our biggest problems is that most of us haven't the faintest idea of what it is we want to let go. We know that it's not working, and we know what we want in our life, yet we don't know what's holding us back. So let's take time to look at the blocks that bind us. If you think for a moment about your own patterns and problems and the things that hold you back, which categories do they fall into? Criticism, fear, guilt, or resentment?
I call these categories the big four. Which is your favorite one? Mine was a combination of criticism and resentment. Maybe you are like me and have two or three. Is it fear that always comes up or guilt? Are you very, very critical or resentful? Let me point out that resentment is anger that is stuffed down. So if you believe you are not allowed to express your anger, then you have stored a lot of resentment. We cannot deny our feelings. We cannot conveniently ignore them. When I had my cancer diagnosis, I had to look very clearly at myself. I had to acknowledge some nonsense that I didn't want to admit about myself. For instance, I was a very resentful person, and I carried a lot of bitterness from the past. I said, Louise, you have no time to indulge in that anymore. You really must change. Or, as Peter McWilliams says, you can no longer afford the luxury of a negative thought. Your experiences always reflect your inner beliefs. You can literally look at your experiences and determine what your beliefs are. Maybe it's disturbing to consider, but if you look at the people in your life, they are all mirroring some belief you have about yourself. If you are always being criticized at work, it is probably because you are critical and have become the parent who once criticized the child. Everything in our lives is a mirror of who we are. When something is happening out there that is not comfortable, we have an opportunity to look inside and say, how am I contributing to this experience? What is it within me that believes I deserve this? We all have family patterns, and it is very easy for us to blame our parents or our childhood or our environment, but that keeps us stuck. We don't become free. We remain victims, and we perpetrate the same problems over and over again. So it really doesn't matter what anybody else did to you or what they taught you in the past. Today is a new day. You are now in charge. Now is the moment in which you are creating the future in your life and your world. It really doesn't matter what I say either, because only you can do the work. Only you can change the way you think and feel and act. I'm just saying that you can. You definitely can, because you have a higher power within you that can help you break free from these patterns if you allow it. You can remind yourself that when you were a little baby, you loved yourself for who you were. There is not one little baby who criticizes its body and thinks, oh, my hips are too big. Babies are thrilled and delighted just because they have bodies. They express their feelings. When a baby is happy, you know it. And when a baby is angry, the whole neighborhood knows it. They are never afraid to let people know how they feel. They live in the moment. And you were like that once. As you grew up, you listened to people around you, and you learned about fear and guilt and criticism from them. If you grew up in a family where criticism was the norm, 
then you are going to be critical as an adult. If you grew up in a family where you were not allowed to express anger, then you are probably terrified of anger and confrontation, and you swallow it and let it reside in your body. If you were raised in a family where everybody was manipulated by guilt, then you are probably going to be the same way as an adult. You are probably a person who runs around saying, I'm sorry, all the time, and can never ask for anything outright. You feel you have to be manipulative in some way in order to get what you want. As we grow up, we begin to pick up these false ideas and lose touch with our inner wisdom. So we really need to release these ideas and return to the purity of spirit where we truly love ourselves. We need to reestablish the wonderful innocence of life and the moment-by-moment -moment joy of existence, the same joy that a baby feels in its blissful state of wonder. Think of what you want to become true for yourself. State them in positive, not negative affirmations. Now go to the mirror, look in your eyes, and repeat your affirmations. See what obstacles are in your way. When you begin to state an affirmation like, I love and approve of myself, really pay attention to what negative messages come up because as you recognize them, they become the treasures that will unlock the door to your freedom. Usually the messages are one of the four I mentioned earlier, criticism, fear, guilt, or resentment. And most likely you learn these messages from people back there. Some of you have chosen some difficult tasks to handle in this lifetime, and it is my belief that we really come here to love ourselves in spite of what they say or do. We can always go beyond our parents or our friends' limitations. If you were a good little girl or boy, you learned your parents' limited way of looking at life. You see, you're not bad. You are good children. You learned exactly what your parents taught you. Now that you are grown up, you're doing the same thing. How many of you hear yourself saying what your parents used to say? Congratulations. They were very good teachers and you were very good students. But now it is time for you to begin to think for yourself. A lot of us may face resistance when we look in the mirror and repeat our affirmations. However, resistance is the first step to change. Most of us want our lives to change. But when we are told that we have to do something different, we say, who, me? Oh, I don't want to do that. Others may experience feelings of despair. Often if you look in the mirror and say, I love you, the little child inside says, where have you been all this time? I've been waiting for you to notice me. And waves of sadness come up because you've been rejecting the little child for a long, long time. When I did this exercise in one of my workshops, a woman said she was very, very scared. I asked her what frightened her, and she shared the fact that she was an incest survivor. Many of us have had this experience called incest, and we are learning to come through it. 
It's interesting that it occurs so often on our planet. We read so much about incest these days, yet I don't think it is happening any more now than it ever did. We have advanced to a state where we now feel that children have rights and we are allowing ourselves to see this ugly sore in society. In order to release the problem, we have to first recognize it and then we can work through it. Therapy is so important for incest survivors. We need a safe space where we can work through these feelings. When we have let the anger and the rage and the shame out, then we can move to the space where we can love ourselves. No matter what we are working on, we want to remember that the feelings that come up are just feelings. We are not in the experience anymore. We need to work on making the inner child feel safe. We want to thank ourselves for having had the courage to survive this experience. Sometimes when we're dealing with an issue such as incest, it's difficult to accept that the other person was doing the best he or she could at the time with the understanding and awareness and knowledge that they had. Acts of violence always come from people who were violated themselves. We all need healing. When we learn to love and cherish who we are, we will no longer harm anyone. Stop all criticism. When we are dealing with criticism, we are usually criticizing ourselves all the time for the same things over and over. When are we going to wake up and learn that criticism doesn't work? Let's try another tactic. Let's approve of ourselves as we are right now. Critical people often attract a lot of criticism because it is their pattern to criticize. What we give out, we get back. They may also need to be perfect at all times. Who's perfect? Have you ever met a perfect person? I haven't. If we complain about another person, we are really complaining about some aspect of ourselves. Everyone is a reflection of us, and what we see in another person, we see in ourselves. Many times we don't want to accept parts of who we are. We abuse ourselves with alcohol or drugs or cigarettes or overeating or whatever. These are ways of beating up on ourselves for not being perfect. But being perfect for who? Whose early demands and expectations are we still trying to meet? Be willing to let that go. Just be. You will find that you are wonderful just as you are this very moment. If you have always been a critical person who sees life through very negative eyes, it is going to take time for you to turn yourself around to be more loving and accepting. You will learn to be patient with yourself as you practice letting go of the criticism, which is only a habit, not the reality of your being. Can you imagine how wonderful it would be if we could live our lives without ever being criticized by anyone? We would feel totally at ease, totally comfortable. Every morning would be a wonderful new day because everyone would love you and accept you, and nobody would criticize you or put you down. 
You can give this happiness to yourself by becoming more accepting of the things that make you unique and special. The experience of living with yourself can be the most wonderful experience imaginable. You can wake up in the morning and feel the joy of spending another day with you. When you love who you are, you automatically bring out the best in you. I'm not saying that you will be a better person, because that implies that you're not good enough now. However, you will find more positive ways to fulfill your needs and to express more of who you really are. Guilt makes us feel inferior. Many times people give you negative messages because it is the easiest way to manipulate you. If someone is trying to make you feel guilty, ask yourself, what do they want? Why are they doing this? Ask these questions instead of inwardly agreeing, oh yes, I'm guilty, I must do what they say. Many parents manipulate their children with guilt because they were raised that way. They tell lies to the children to make them feel less than. Some people are still manipulated by their relatives and friends when they grow up because, first of all, they don't respect themselves. Otherwise, they wouldn't let it happen. Secondly, they are manipulative themselves. Many of you live under a cloud of guilt. You always feel wrong or that you are not doing the right thing or apologizing to someone for something. You will not forgive yourself for something you did in the past. You berate yourself for a lot that goes on in your life. Let these clouds dissipate. You don't need to live that way any longer. Those of you who feel guilty can now learn to say no and call people on their nonsense. I'm not saying to be angry with them, but you don't have to play their game anymore. If saying no is new to you, say it very simply. No, no, I cannot do that. Don't give excuses, or the manipulator will have ammunition to talk you out of your decision. When people see that manipulating you doesn't work, they will stop. People will only control you as long as you allow them to. You may feel guilty the first time you say no. However, it gets easier the next few times. A woman at one of my lectures had a baby who was born with a congenital heart disease. She felt guilty because she'd believed that it was her fault. She did something to the baby. Unfortunately, guilt does not solve anything. In her case, no one did anything wrong. I told her that I thought it could have been a sole choice for the baby and a lesson for both the mother and baby. My answer for her was to love the baby and love herself and stop feeling that she did something wrong. That sort of guilt would not heal anyone. If you do something that you are sorry about, stop doing it. If you did something in the past that you still feel guilty about, Forgive yourself. If you can make amends, do it, and don't repeat the action again. Every time guilt comes up in your life, ask yourself, what do I still believe about myself? Who am I trying to please? Notice the childhood beliefs that come up. 
When somebody comes to me who's been involved in a car accident, there is usually guilt on a deep-seated level and a need for punishment. There can also be a lot of repressed hostility because we feel we don't have the right to speak up for ourselves. Guilt seeks punishment. So we can literally become our own judge, jury, and executioner, condemning ourselves to a self-imposed prison. We punish ourselves, and there is no one around to come to our defense. It's time to forgive ourselves and set ourselves free. One elderly lady at one of my seminars felt enormous guilt about her middle-aged son. He was an only child who grew up to be a very withdrawn person. She felt guilty because she was very strict with him while he was growing up. I explained that she had done the best she knew how to do at the time. I believe he chose her as a mother before he incarnated into this lifetime, so on a spiritual level he knew what he was doing. I told her that she was wasting all her energy feeling guilty about something that she couldn't change. She sighed and said, It's such a shame that he's this way, and I'm sorry I did a bad job. Now, you see, that's wasted energy because it doesn't help her son now, and it certainly doesn't help her. Guilt becomes a very heavy burden and makes people feel inferior. Instead, I told her that every time the feeling came up, she could say something like, No, I don't want to feel that way anymore. I'm willing to learn to love myself. I accept my son exactly as he is. If she continued to do this, the pattern would start to shift, and she would free both of them. Even if we don't know how to love ourselves, the fact that we are willing to love ourselves will create the difference. It's just not worth it to hold on to these old patterns. The lesson is always love yourself. Her lesson was not to heal her son, but to love herself. He came into this life to love himself. She can't do it for him, and he can't do it for her. Organized religions are often really good at making people feel guilty. Many of them do some heavy numbers to keep people in line, especially when they are young. However, we aren't little children anymore, and we don't have to be kept in line. We are adults who can decide what we want to believe. The child in us feels the guilt, but there is also the adult in us who can teach the child otherwise. When you hold your emotions down or hold things in, you create havoc within you. Love yourself enough to allow yourself to feel your emotions. Allow your feelings to come to the surface. At first, you may find yourself crying for days or getting angry a lot. You may have to process quite a bit of old stuff. I suggest you do affirmations that make going through the process easier, smoother, and more comfortable, such as, I now release with ease all old negative beliefs. It is comfortable for me to change. My pathway is now smooth. I am free of the past. Also, don't add judgment to your feelings. That only pushes the feelings down even more. If you are going through incredible dilemmas or crises, 
Affirm that you are safe and that you are willing to feel. Affirming these positive feelings will bring about beneficial changes. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.